Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 47 of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Coates, and I brought my friend Chris Hitchko on today. Chris and I have been interacting via the internet social media realm for quite a while, but uh, it's a perfect opportunity to get him on here because he's got some cool stuff I wanted you guys to know about. So I guess, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate about success in the fitness industry, about, you know, fitness professionals doing well. And I've never considered myself a business coach. We'll get into that more. I do a very, very small mentorship that I barely ever reference on my social media. It's just something I do on top of coaching and writing and whatnot. So I like bringing on people who have integrity, who are in that mentorship space, who know a lot about success in our industry. And Chris, you're a great example of that. So I guess for those who aren't yet super familiar with you, you are the owner of Show Up Fitness. That's in Santa Monica, California. And you also have the Show Up Fitness Internship. And so you, you both train, but you also mentor other coaches and trainers. And I've actually now uh, in a couple of your classes to talk to your students, which has been really fun. And then you're also the author of a book. And you put me in there in a, a small section, uh, How to Become a Successful Personal Trainer. For anybody watching the video side of this, he's got it held up. I've got signed copy, which was really cool. And that scotch that you uh, sent me as a thank you, that was sweet. So it's great to have you on, brother. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to talk shop a little bit and see if we can change the fitness industry one person at a time. Feels really daunting and challenging with all the, the smoke that's out there for sure. Tell me about it. There's so much. And so that's one of the things that we're trying to do. And that's, you know, we've interviewed a lot of great people in the book and we just go through the, the success of the people have had. And, and one thing that I, I pride myself in is I'm not trying to make it like my way or the highway. It's, you know, it's science. It's really cool. Like, you know, Ben Bruno's in there and he's talking about like, don't read books, get into the trenches and do that. And I love it. And then you have other people who are like, get into an anatomy, anatomy textbook, open a gym this way. You know, Tony Genocor says, go corporate. And then you have people who say, don't go corporate. I love that diversity because I want people to think, and that's what we need to do as trainers. Unfortunately, there's so many sheep where it's just, let's get a cert and then the next cert and the next cert. <laughs> so that's why we've uh, done our internship and we're, we're in not only LA, but we're also in San Diego and we're actually going to be opening up a spot here in Austin in a, a couple months. So excited to keep on expanding. Sweet growing greater influence. Right. And I'm a big believer in, you know, we don't really have the right to complain. Complaining is pointless, especially about the people who are doing things that we think lack integrity. We'd better be out there creating media brands reach that affects more people. So, and to that whole point about certifications, I know you were on a little bit of a war path about NASM. Now I'm sure there are people listening who have NASM. So, you know, we don't want to ruffle feathers deliberately. I love to, that's my favorite thing. I said like national Academy of, uh, of spectacular marketing is what I call it. <laughs> right. And I think that this is what you had said on social media. It's less, really about NASM alone and more about a commentary on the quality of entry-level trading certifications. Anyway, my first trading certification here in Canada, you know, is, is considered to be a very straightforward weekend course. Right. And I think ultimately it's, they don't, and this conversation is not about creating greater barriers to entry to the industry. I'm not a fan of quote regulation. I think that's fraught with danger, unintended consequences that people don't seem to understand when you ask for more regulation, virtually anything. Um, but instead, it's about your passion for preparing coaches to actually be successful in their careers. And I don't see these types of certifications doing much beyond some very basic, here's how to move, here's how to do this, blah, blah, blah. But 
I don't think it prepares trainers to actually build successful careers. So what's missing from these entry-level certifications? Let's start there. And then we'll circle back around to what would you do better to prepare coaches to succeed? So I know you're a, you're a big reader. You have a large appetite. Have you ever read the book Death by Expertise? No, I have not. So that's going Check on. Check that sucker out. It's really good. It's, it's awesome because they're challenging the, the stigma of just debate. And, and you, can, you can disagree with someone and it doesn't mean that I hate you. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're a bad person. And so to you know, talk more about the entry standards, I think where the, ruffles get, the feathers get ruffled is I'm challenging the certification route because we're fucking trainers, personal trainers, but yet we don't have anything that challenges us to see if we can actually work with people. So like our interns, when they go through the program, their final is I'm up on stage watching them with three other fitness professionals and they have to take someone through a workout and not only be able to program properly, be able to have conversations with them. <laughs> if you're talking about syndromes or whatever the hell it is and diagnosing clients, I was just at Equinox the other day and, you know, you know, put aside any of the screens, it's a whole other conversation, but we had this morbidly obese lady and she's doing the FMS in front of just tons of people and I felt for her so bad because it's like she it took a lot of guts for her to go to a trainer and say I need help and the trainer is poking and prodding her like she's a freaking cattle oh let me tell you what's wrong and that's what's wrong with the industry where it should be you know let's talk about your goals what are you trying to do oh you, you if you're superficial like we got in, in LA all the place you want to build an ass great let's go build an ass I don't need a poke and prod you if you want to move better we can do that if you have a um, you know, preconditioned situation with diabetes or whatever, let's talk with the doctors, build our network, and then let's help you what's appropriate. Regress and progress. And so the, the problem I see with the industry is you get a lot of these associations that for some reason they classify themselves as the gold standard. Which I don't even understand where that comes from. And so people come in, they type into the Google machine, how to become a trainer. And then they find one of these certs and they, they see NSCA like, oh, I'm not a jock. That's not for me. ACSM, that's more like medical. I don't see what else is there. And so then you're left with NASM and NASM is just, I love NASM. That's the funny thing. If you talk, I love their model. They're in front of people. One of my favorite vocabulary words is ubiquitous. When people think about becoming a trainer, they think about NASM and that business model to me is admirable. They're the McDonald's of fitness. They're everywhere. It doesn't mean the quality is there. It's not knocking you if you're a NASA trainer. I'm just looking at the process where how can we do better to give interns and, and aspiring trainers the proper tools to be successful long-term? Because what I see is people get into the corporate industry. They, they, they chase the dollar. They chase sessions. And ultimately, they're going to be training 30, 40 hours a week. And as you know, that's hell. And they don't have someone help coach them saying, hey, why did we do a BOSU ball squat as the very first section? Let's talk about that. <laughs> and why are we doing battle ropes into ladder drills into a Viper thing right away? Let's talk about that. And to have normal conversations with people, not saying that that choice was wrong or right. It's just, let's have some critical thinking sessions. There is so much within everything you just said that, I think we'd be losing the forest for the trees to go down the road of, you know, BOSU ball squatting, whatever, because I know you're kind of lighting that one up in the NASM thing. And you're right. It's, it's about crit critical thinking skills versus like picking apart all these specific examples of what's wrong out there in our industry. Um, and I 
don't, I'll, I'll go back to something you were saying about the different certifications. And I tend to think in terms of tribes and tribalism. And there's, there's books, uh, Sebastian Younger's Tribes or um, Seth Godin, Seth I wrote Godin. a book, Tribe. And the concept of tribe and tribalism can be used for good if you're building a brand and you're attracting a tribe of like-minded people. But I personally tend to avoid tribal thinking when it comes to, I mean, I, I, I refuse to talk politics on, on this or, or social ideology, but we tend to see a lot of tribalism there and that leads to a lot of bad things. And I think that it's a Naval Ravikant quote, if anybody's familiar with Naval. Naval's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, his, it's not even his book. It's the Almanac of Naval Ravikant. It's written by a guy named Eric Jorgensen. It was a collection of Naval's tweets and wisdoms and whatnot. Right. And one of the things that Naval said, and I'm probably going to paraphrase it, is he stopped thinking in terms of isms or being a part of anything, identifying with these political tribes or social tribes, when he noticed that he would defend positions within the tribe he didn't agree with. And while it sounds like I'll talk about politics and and social stuff, it extends to fitness in general. If you notice that you have someone who always believes and checks every single position of a particular camp or tribe, well, I start to question, do you really have an individual thought of your own, right? And I think a lot of people, it goes back to what you're saying about your book is you grabbed onto a lot of successful people in our industry who have different ideas and points of view on a variety of aspects of education, like Ben Bruno saying, you know, not so much about reading. I happen to be a big advocate of reading books. Uh, You know, Luca Hosfar, Mark Fisher, you know, we're voracious consumer of books, but there's a lot of other people in the industry who that's not their, their mode of learning and they're no less qualified. In fact, a guy like Ben Bruno is super brilliant and successful. He mentored and worked under uh, Mike Boyle, for years, right? At, mm-hmm. uh, at Mike Ball, uh, yeah, Mike Ball's gym anyway. I can't remember exactly what it's called. Um, so wandering a little far afield there, but there's just so much you just wrapped up into that. So are you taking a picture? What are you doing? I am, I gotta get uh, <laughs> I gotta get you on here for the podcast. You know, this is great stuff right here. <laughs> Anybody who's uh, only just listening, Chris has got a camera up in the, in the face of the camera. Uh, so let's actually poke at, let's poke a little bit more in depth. I mean, yes, the unstable surface stuff, you know, I think anybody listening kind of knows, okay, this shit's, it was a fad. It was a misinterpretation of, of some stuff. I think one of the best ways to look at a lot of the quote functional craze was it, it came from the physical therapy realm. And a lot of people saw a lot of these training modalities and things that were done in a rehab and physical therapy setting well, if we apply them to a training setting, then that means that they're going to make people stronger. And just because it's part of the rehabilitation process of bringing someone from, you know, less than baseline normal up to baseline normal, it does not mean that you then apply, you know, uh, additional load and additional challenge is somehow going to make people super normal. That's not how this shit works. Uh, unstable surface, it can be used in very limited settings for rehabilitation of certain ankle and knee injuries. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that going and squatting on a BOSU ball is somehow now going to be better for your core or make your knees healthier if you already have healthy knees. So I'll let you kind of run with that one a bit. Yeah, I think that's it's wonderful because one thing that, you know, what we do here is I'm not just about my side. I feel like in the industry, you get people who start growing, growing, growing and get around yes men and you're not challenged as much. And so, you know, I have therapists on our team, you know, Dr. Waterbury, the prehab guys, Dr. Russin, 
top professors. You know, I consult with Brad Schoenfeld, Brett Contreras, and I, and I, you know, get my notepad out and I'm learning from them because I want the information to be most up to date. And and sometimes it's going to be outdated and it's already you know a couple of years you know past and that's okay. But it's the humility to be open to constantly learning. I think that that's where the problem comes is because we don't have that foundation. We don't understand movement. We don't understand overload. We don't understand you know, specific adaptation to impose demand with the said principle. And so you're absolutely correct. There was um, in 2006, Eric Cressy at University of Connecticut, and that's where I did my internship. He did a 10 week study looking at stable versus unstable surface training. And we found that it's significantly inferior to do unstable work for strength gains and power output. So then people will say, I can't believe you're saying it doesn't work. And an example I like to give in class is, like, okay, so, you know, as Americans, we're geographically, uh, you know, we don't know where stuff is. So just bear <laughs> with me on this one. But you know, if we're in LA and people want to get to San Francisco, which is north, can you still get to San Francisco by going over down to Phoenix and then up to San Francisco? Sure. But the question is, why the fuck do you want to do that? You want to go see the Grand Canyon? Cool. I, I like that. But is that the most efficient way? And so then where we get in trouble is, well, it works for me. And as you know, in science, that's those anecdotes are terrible. But then where we get even to more trouble is you get this celebrity trainer who's working with these athletes. You know, uh, Henry was just viral over the summer, I'm sure. Derek Henry's doing some crazy chaos push-ups, the chains and all this stuff. You cannot take away from Derek Henry that he's an absolute savage. But when you have the software and you have the hardware, you could literally have him juggle bowling balls and he's going to get better. So the stimulus that you're giving him doesn't need to be to that degree of which these trainers do. And then social media makes it go viral. And then these trainers who can't think, they say, wow, I'm going to have my athletes running and looking like Derrick Henry by doing these freaking chaos pushups. And so then it goes back and forth. And I can't believe you're saying it's like, no, no, no. We're trying to just sit, look at the foundation. If you're a badass and you can do that stuff, love it. Where I get frustrated is when I see it in the corporate structure or even in the independent structure. And you see a trainer taking granny or grandpa through a workout that is not what they really want. They don't want to balance on a BOSI ball. They want to get stronger. They want to move better. They want to feel better. And so it's, it's frustrating to see this. And, you know, one of the things I hear a lot is that this, the personal training industry is saturated. And I disagree. Absolutely. I think it's, it's saturated with shit. <laughs> when you're a qualified trainer and it's like saying that uh, let's just use a, a high-end steakhouse for example they're not concerned about mcdonald's they're not concerned about fast food and so when you really go back to why are we doing this to help people and to work with that person in front of you to help them move a little bit better feel a little bit better and ultimately whatever their goal is you help them safely you know one thing that i pride myself in all of our interns and all of our trainers that we have, because we have trainers inside the gyms and we have the internship. We've never hurt anyone, you know, knock on wood on that, but it's because we see what they're capable of. We progress, they get stronger, we set PRs, we challenge them to get out of their comfort zone and it works. And, and if some of the science is starting to get a little outdated, we consult, we bring it back and then we figure out the best way, going back to that analogy, for, to go from LA to San Francisco. Let's get there faster, more efficient. The metaphor I like to use is when we're using very ineffective means, but that'll still work in the long run. 
it's like taking that same trip from LA to San Francisco, but instead of taking a plane or driving a car, you're riding a tricycle. Yeah, I love that. So true. Same idea. Uh, what do you feel is missing with a lot of coaches in terms of having successful careers? Thanks. And I'll, I'm guilty of this. I didn't find a mentor in the beginning. I didn't have someone who I could say, I'm about to work with Annie. You know, she has a, a BP of, you know, 150 over 100. And, you know, she has a slap tear, whatever's going on. I don't know who I should go to to help her with her, her goals. I just kind of took it as I'm going to tackle this on myself. So I wish I had someone who, and, and in the corporate structure, you'll have like your managers, but it's kind of like the blind leading the blind where the managers a lot of times are after sales and, you know, numbers, they don't really understand the human body. So that's what we're trying to provide is a, a, a group where you can go to and you have a case example, you provide that case example. And if we can't find a solution, a viable solution, we have the right team where we can go to. And so I think that's just the constant communication within the fitness industry is lacking. And it's more of like, dick measuring where it's like oh look how many followers i have and look what the cool stuff i'm doing it's not like hey andrew i saw you working with your client the other day and you know he's it looks like he's in his 60s and he's a badass and he's doing some you know trap bar carries and all it's like i have a client i'm about to train what did that first couple months of programming look like can we talk about it sometime and i think that would be just so valuable where it's not like i'm gonna one-up you or you're gonna one-up me it's just sharing what has worked properly and it's not a circus show so that mentorship and, and constant learning through hands-on learning, I think, is what really separates those newer trainers versus I'm going to get this next cert. I'm going to get this next cert. I'm going to get this cert. And these certs don't make you more qualified. I think they almost set you up for, for future success or sorry, future failure. Let's use the example, you know, you talk about functional movement screen very early. And I think that's a very good example of something that at least once upon a time, I think people again got tribal over. I think now we pretty comfortably understand that a the functional movement screen has zero predictive validity on the likelihood of someone getting injury. That's a, a claim they once made. They've backed off that claim because it's been debunked as far as research goes. You know, I think some trainers still cling to it. It's like, Oh, it's a really good assessment tool. Okay. You know, yeah, I can probably tell you how people move in a certain ranges, but there's this big debate. Like I, I, what are my least favorite quotes? People spout off this generalist nonsense. One of my least favorite, if you're not assessing, you're guessing. And that's just bullshit tripe to, you know, that's elitist gatekeeper shit. And I'm more and more and more just intolerant of elitist gatekeeper shit where someone, because they've done it a certain way or I do elaborate assessments, then therefore all these other trainers are, are not doing a proper job. I'm assessing people as they move in basic movement patterns at the start and constantly throughout their entire time with me. You're always assessing, but you know, it's, it's a touch informal versus a very rigid formal assessment structure. One of my main criticisms of these hour long formal assessments is, well, what you've probably sat down and talked goals and injuries and everything else for an hour with the client. So the first workout session they're excited about is now just an assessment, which isn't fun. You talk about this woman who, like the common sense to put that person who's probably scared shitless to make them do something that they find very challenging in front of other people, as you clearly implied, is a really fucking stupid thing to have done. And then now they have to wait for the third meeting with you to actually get a workout in. No, get them started. 
get them to squat. Okay, I can assess someone's movement, a lot of aspects of their movement by how well they squat. Okay, they don't squat super well. Maybe I'm squatting them onto a box. I've had one client in 10 and a half years who couldn't fucking squat because she was 69 with virtually no movement in one of her hips. And I had her do a low step up and various other things. I would have her carry weight around, but I would elevate the weight so that we should, weight she didn't have to bend over, pick up. You find ways and you're still assessing how she's moving. It's making her stronger. So this functional movement screen, I think knowing it and understanding it, how it works, it's worthwhile, sure. But don't get stuck in that rigid camp of thinking that, you know, you need to apply a functional movement screen to everyone. And let's say you're listening and you're really diehard about doing it. Well, you know what? You can keep it. But what I want you to do is then to go out and look for the information that contradicts how useful the functional movement screen is instead of digging in a little deeper and saying, no, this is the only way that people should be assessed. I think it has very mediocre um, use in the grand scheme of things. And I don't know if it's like, what is it? Uh, FMS, PRI, or you get all these different camps and, and frameworks of thinking. I think expose yourself to a lot of different ideas. One of my favorite things is simply to think less in terms of organizations and camps and more in terms of a broader array of individuals and their, their approaches to fitness. You know, you mentioned names like uh, Ben Bruno or Tony Gentilcore. I've always, one of my favorite things, I've talked about this a lot, is I've been reading T Nation for years. I've been writing for them for a better part of the, almost the last three years. And I've never picked one individual, even people I like. I love Mike Isertel stuff. I like RP stuff. But it's not just Camp Mike Isertel. It's read his books, read his literature, his team's literature, but then also get into the stuff that, um, you know, Mike Boyle is, is writing or, you know, Martin Rooney stuff, or you, you talk about Brett Contreras, you know, Brett Contreras' Glute Lab is a really good resource and expose yourself to a broader array of this stuff. And then apply that against the experience of training the people in front of you, like something that Ben Bruno would probably do. And then your knowledge and what you do with your clients is going to be an elaborate combination of the resources you expose yourself to your experience and we all know there's not one rigid formula that we must follow because clients are highly unique and different. And it's not just about how they move, but it's also how you socialize them to the gym environment. Someone might be scared shitless of the gym. Someone may not enjoy most aspects of exercise. If you do the check all the boxes of the optimal workout, even for that person and their goals, and they hate it and they don't come back, there was nothing optimal about that. It's about creating an experience that they enjoyed, including the interpersonal part of it, like you alluded to earlier, and getting them to come back and entrenching that consistency, creating the trust. And then you can go into the stuff that you know they need by giving them more of the stuff they want early on. And I would even go as far as to say, although I don't use unstable surface work myself, if you have a client who really loves doing some of their stuff on standing on a BOSU ball, you know, as long as you feel it's safe to do it, there's nothing wrong with having a person squatting on a BOSU ball. And this might sound like sacrilege to the evidence-based community, but with the eventual goal of entrenching so much consistency and that they're making progress in everything else that they're doing to where there's nothing detrimental about being on that BOSU ball if the other stuff is smart, but it keeps them going. And eventually you can transition them off it. It's um, some of the stuff you're talking about earlier, like with celebrities and their nonsense, it's survivorship bias, right? You see uh, some famous athlete doing some ridiculous nonsense. Well, think about the years of smart training and nutrition and 
their genetics and their mental framework and great coaching and all these other fundamentally sound things that have gone into this person. It's like my one of my favorite examples is Tom Brady late in his career gets in with some bullshit nutrition guru and this stupid pseudoscientific fuckery with his nutrition and is waving it around. And anybody thinks, Oh, that's what I need to do to be like Tom Brady. No motherfucker. Tom Brady has got a lot of other things that made him one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And this nutrition has absolutely nothing to do with it. And all of those smart fundamental things he's doing vastly outweigh the stupidity and the detriment of this one behavior. Absolutely. Couldn't say it better. All right. So let's pivot into another aspect of what I certainly think, and I think you'll agree with me, is lacking in coaches and their success. It's, it's often the business skills. It's the marketing skills. It's the brand skills and, and media. And I know you, you made a comment about, quote, followers, but there's a nuance of not just looking at you know some fitness influencers' follower count. Oftentimes, they buy them. A lot of these follower counts are fake. And unless they're pretty entrenched in what I call the evidence-based community, a lot of fitness account followings are fake. You can tell. It's very easy. Their engagement and likes don't come anywhere close to the following. So at the same time, I think very overwhelmingly, most coaches would be more successful in their business and in their careers in general if they were really good at their media in whatever form it is, whether it's short you know, social media content or long form content, like writing articles or podcasts like this, the better you are at that stuff, the more eyes and ears are on you and the better you are at generating clientele and being a positive influence on our industry. If everybody with integrity, whose evidence-based just sat back and said, well, you know, I'm not the kind of person who could do this. So, or, or they were just fearful because they didn't feel like they don't know enough or, oh, I don't have enough followers to start to make a difference. Or I'm just going to sit back and let people like Jordan Syed or Dr. Spencer Nadolsky or Sohi Lee with their big followings. I'll, I'll leave it to them because it's all been said before. I'm actually hitting off a bunch of notes and I've got a, got a presentation coming up in Spokane now in a week. And this is actually a big piece of the presentation. But how many people are just sitting on the sidelines or we're never taught or never learned or prepared for the reality of you may be a really good trainer on the floor. You may know exactly what to do. You may be great with the person in front of you and you can generate some referral business and renew people, but you never learned how to market yourself. You never learned how to sell yourself and you're uncomfortable with it. How much is that holding people back? Too much. You know, we were, I was in class the other day because because of COVID we pivoted and we took our program from four months to two months and now we're, I'm a Zoom head. So I'm on here every day and we're talking to interns and there's this kid, Daniel. And so I had everyone in the group. There was like 30 people in the class. I said, all right, so who has, I always make a joke, like, who's the most pathetic in here? Who has the least following? You know, I'm making it as a joke. And this guy had a hundred followers. I said, all right, Daniel, here's my challenge for you. hundred doesn't sound like a lot, especially if you're Mr. Coates over here, you have, you know, 21,000, you know, we're big time, right? And uh, <laughs> But I said, here's what I want you to do. You could have one of those 100 followers who wants to start exercising, wants to start moving. They don't know how to do a push-up, and they don't know these people that we just mentioned. You know, in our world, the Breck Contreras and the, and the Jordan Seats and, and the RP, that's like they're celebrities to us. But you got to realize these guys and girls, when they're walking around, no one knows who the fuck they are. <laughs> And so when it comes to your following, someone mentions 
this is how you do a push-up and you do it, that could resonate with them and it could lead into a potential client. So my challenge in the class was, I said, I want you guys just to talk on your story. Talk on your story about the class that we're doing to show them that you're going through an internship to become a trainer. Because what you're going to learn is that people don't see you as that source. And so I'll just buy simple, something simple as saying, here are the 17 muscles of the shoulder. We're big into you know, anatomy and movement. And then you name it off and someone goes, oh shit, I didn't know that. I didn't know there were 17 muscles around the shoulder. What are you doing? And they say, oh, I'm not, you know, finishing up this program to become a trainer. They go, wow, did you know I'm trying to lose 10 pounds? We went to high school together. And you know, let it be known, on Friday, he said that. On Monday, he came back to class and he had two paying clients mm -hmm. just from posting in his story. And it's so cool to take the lowest common denominator of the group, 100 followers. And so it's like, you know, leave the ego aside. You're going to fumble on your words and you may not look the best, whatever. Get that, get over with it. Just start doing it. You get, you know, you got to start showing up right away. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You hit on a few things there. And here's how I love to say this. You are someone's go-to for fitness and nutrition. You alluded to, and I'll say it directly. Most of your followers are not following Jordan Syed or Spencer Nadolski or other well-known people in our corner of the universe. They are following you. You may have a personal relationship. I think it, an important place to start is from your personal network. That's where your following is seated. But if you are sitting back and not sharing the knowledge and experience you've accumulated, even if it's somewhat entry-level, you are not serving the people who see you as their go-to resource. Uh, while Instagram has certainly been my playground now for the last year and a half. And as you alluded to, like literally this morning, I'll tip over 21,000 exactly. I, for years, posted about fitness and nutrition on Facebook, right? Facebook's a little harder to accumulate a dedicated following. And I didn't set up a, a, a business page. It was just my personal following. And what I did, and what I think trainers really should do is become very top of mind as a fitness professional, and I don't like the term expert, but in the eyes of the people we're talking to, a fitness expert, and they may not right away be in a place where they're even thinking about this stuff. But if over the course of months and even years, you're consistent with showcasing that this is your career and this is what you're working on, you will be surprised how that old coworker, that old high school classmate is going, you know what, my mom needs a trainer, or I've been thinking about doing this. And I have many dozens of examples of people from my life who are friends of mine I went to university with, or I've, I've met because I actually have two clients who went to university with me in Newfoundland, who both happen to live out here in Edmonton, who have trained with me, right? People I've known for 20 plus years. And then there's all the people I've met at my, my the first job I got when I came to the city, or people who were just regular gym members who I get gathered up on social media or just met socially. And all of a sudden they're referring me business there. I've got a referral last night from a, a trainer I used to work with. We're very good friends. He no longer works directly on the gym floor as a trainer. And he recently had a baby and Mark's like, Hey, I've got a friend, blah, blah, blah. He needs a trainer. I want you to work with him. So I've been chatting with this guy. I got a phone call with him this afternoon. Right. So just getting out and starting to share the stuff that you're comfortable with from your experience will get you into that habit. And then over time, your expertise and comfort level will grow with it. Your media will get better. And I think it's a far cry better than sitting on the sidelines and wondering, well, where are all the clients? You know, I'm a really great trainer. I should be busier. Well, you're a really great trainer, 
but you suck at letting people know you're a great trainer. Absolutely. And a challenge I give the students in classes, I want you to go buy a little plant, put a seed in there and every single day, put some water, give it some sunlight, nurture it, care, because that's almost like your online business. You're not just going to have a huge, I mean, sure, there's Vironomics and there are some people that will sprout up overnight. And it's like, that's the exception to the rule. Don't get obsessed with them. Just be consistent with this. Here you go, little by little, little by little, and then it's going to start sprouting out. And then those, you know, the fruits of your labor, that moment when you start seeing that. And I saw that actually in Austin when I was there about six weeks ago, I was giving a seminar and it was hilarious because there's this guy walking down the street and I felt like I was a fucking celebrity. He's like, you're the guy with the belt buckle because I always wear a belt buckle. And so uh, I favorite chair with the belt buckle. So I'm like, yeah, it is. And, and he found me on YouTube and it just kind of resonated for a second. Like if I wouldn't have made that video two years ago on how to pass NASM, <laughs> or how to you know program better or whatever the, the YouTube I went up there. The quality sucked. The audio sucked. I was nervous. It wasn't the best video. These aren't like Jeff Nippert videos where they're just you know fantastic and you look at those, you're like, ah shit. But it's like it was just I got it done. But it sprouted at that moment and it really resonated. Like, wow, imagine so I almost I almost beat myself. I'm like, what if I would have acted five times more? What if I would have done this much more content. So when I got back, I'm like, okay, I got to get back to my list. Let's get more content for 2021. Let's look at 2022. Where are some areas of opportunity where I can constantly, you know, you know, feed more. And so, you know, we always go through, I call them our SWIFT analysis, not SWAT, because, you know, NASA started using that in their seventh edition. So then people are going to think that I'm copying NASA, but, you know, SWOT <laughs> analysis is your strengths, your weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So we do strengths, weaknesses, but what are things that you can implement today? How can you improve and what are things that you can innovate? And then talking about your fear. And I think these are big things that we need to constantly be, be challenging because as you can, as you alluded to it, it's constant growth and it's not just going to happen overnight. And if you go back to the drawing board once a week, once a month, once a quarter, you're going to see that line start to grow. And that's usually motivation for people. And it's just because of social media, I think, and because of also the entry standards, it's quick. And so we think that success is going to come quickly and it doesn't happen like that, you know? So it's, it's, it's a fun game to be in and I love it, but people need to be a little more patient. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, it's more survivorship bias. It's seeing people who blown up seemingly on social media thinking, Ooh, that's the answer. Now, Hey, we've got a cluster of people for sure who are a little too young to have accomplished much. And they're, they're showing off their cars they don't own those cars and like there's a big put on, right? So let's, let's put the influencers aside and at least I hope we have enough of a filter to say, okay, cool. Like this is bullshit. A lot of this stuff is not real or you don't want to sell your soul to kind of go down that road. So putting those people aside, you're right. We need a generation of young traders who see, you know, what seems like quick and instant success to get in the reps, gain the experience of the clients in front of them and not be in a rush. And I'm a big believer in this one not be in a rush to get off the gym floor, not be in a rush to, I don't like the gatekeeper quote of like, oh, you have to be, you know, work for four years on the gym floor with clients before you earn the right to train people online. That's bullshit. I've written an article on this with everything that happened last year. Trust me, that's changed. Yes, you're going to be a better online coach if you have more experience in person. But I think the new model is going to be hybrid in that we're going to learn to do the online stuff concurrent with us learning how to do the gym floor stuff. And as a 
industry leader and educator for everybody out there who that label applies to, you have two choices. Be a gatekeeper and a curmudgeon and just be negative about it or two. You have an opportunity to actually educate people in that space. Look at people like Jonathan Goodman, Jordan Syatt are just two of many examples who they have educational resources and businesses surrounding teaching people how to be online trainers, right? Who's doing a better job? Those guys are the ones complaining about it. I think we all know the answer to that. So don't participate in that conversation either, but got off track a little bit as I sometimes tend to do here. <laughs> um, there's so much in all this. You know what? I'll just, I'll just throw it back to, to your additional thoughts on this. Well, I, I was thinking, kind of going through a bunch of stuff in my mind as I power through my second, third cup of coffee, but I've I had this, I have an ER doc on our board of education and, you know, we were just talking about, you know, what are some, who are some of the best doctors that you've seen? And, and she was like, Chris, in my field, if you want to become the, the best, the fastest, they suggest either to work in like an inner city or to go into the military because you're going to be thrown in the trenches and you're going to get to see so much so fast, you have to adapt. So when you look at trainers, I feel like today we, we, we sit on the sideline, like you're saying, and we watch and we have that fear that I'm not good enough. And so then I want that next cert thinking it's going to give you that confidence. But what you need to do is you need to get out there and do it. But don't just like you're saying, don't just read one person or learn from one association. Get your one cert if you need it. That's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. But now I'm big into, you know, reaching out to people and say, you know, can I pick your brain? And I know that uh, Tony was giving me shit for saying this, but I always followed up with, can I pick your brain for, you know, lunch, dinner, I'll pay you. It's like, I always, you know, I'm going to definitely appreciate your time where trainers will reach out. And as you know, Hey, um, Hey, do you have any articles on like how to be successful, Andrew? And you're like, Jesus, like <laughs> how frustrating that is, right? It's just kind of sloppy professionalism as we, you know, kind of how we got onto this. But if you take the initiative to try to learn from as many people as possible and not just trainers, it could be therapists, it could be massage therapists, it could be chiropractors and be professional by reaching out and not talking jive. It's just like, you know, hello, sir, ma'am. I was hoping to come in and volunteer at your clinic for one day a week. I'll do anything for free. I just want to be involved in this environment because I want to see how injuries work and then offer to train that person. Then you can start creating a funnel. And so it's like we just sit on our thumbs and we wish that the, the gods will just start sending us clients. And it takes actual work with any profession. But today we're, we're not professionals. And I think that's why we get a bad rep as we can't even have simple conversations with medical professionals because they, they will say certain esoteric vernacular that we have no idea what the hell they just said. And so if you do go and intern like in a physical therapy clinic and you're looking over like the doc's notes, you can start reading this stuff. And that's why we focus so much on the foundation. As anyone will tell you, sports analogy, if you're starting to suck, you go back to the basics, how to run, how to defend, don't turn the ball over. We don't need to go into all this trickery and fuckery. It's you got to get back to the basics. And so that's what we're trying to change with the foundation of movement and just really understanding the basics. So it goes back to a comment you made about the industry being saturated. And then what you just said about, you know, professionalism, we're never going to regulate out the problem people in our industry, the influence. This is why I, I'm kind of militant about like anybody who's like, Oh, we need to have higher standards no, that's bullshit because that doesn't do crap. It won't get rid of the people on the internet because they think, oh, this will make the influencers go away. 
it's not going to make them go away. They're not certified in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, few of them care about the technical rules of it. They're just online selling whatever they're selling. You know, you're just, you're wasting your breath complaining about those people. But you have an opportunity in an industry that isn't saturated with high-end quality professionals. You can be that person. And instead of this, you know, external locus of control where you just want to complain about everything that's wrong, take a very deep internal locus of control and say, what can I do to be more successful in my career, to help more people, to create a better brand image, to compete for the eyes and ears of everybody that's out there who is being misled by the charlatans and the bullshitters and the influencers. And at the same time, build a lucrative career where you're financially rewarded and fulfilled by doing this. And you're right. There's no, there's no shortcuts to this stuff. You can't shortcut it. But if you pay enough attention to like go and plug into your social media, fucking read your book. Seriously, go read that book. That's going to help someone and, and listen to and read the articles and plug into the media within reason because it's overwhelming of a lot of the names that we've said, right? At the same time, be on guard against the procrastination of actually doing anything to build your own work, long form or even social media by just endlessly consuming other people's stuff, right? It can be very emotionally soothing to pick up a book and read it and feel like, hey, I'm doing something productive when that's taking you off mission. Your mission is to grow following. And I'll say this again and again, you know, following is not a good metric of how credible someone is. But if you get caught in that thinking, you can then turn around and be like, well, you know, I can't grow a following. Therefore, following doesn't matter. Following fucking matters. And if you know what you're doing with it, you can leverage it to do a ton of good. A lot of good stuff can happen in your career. and You can reach a lot of people with good information. So don't get caught in that trap to think, oh, I'm not the sort of person who could or, you know, following doesn't matter or it sucks. No, no, no. That's that's just sour grapes because you found it hard. You didn't want to do the work. Leverage is important. You got to kind of tell a quick little story. Tell it. So I used to work at the school and the owner at the time had a very fixed mindset. They didn't really want to grow. They were content with the ways. I didn't like the material. They were they're you know, uh, requiring us to teach. So I, I decided to do my own thing. And in the process, my fault, I got to take ownership for it. I didn't fill out, you know, cross the T's and dot the I's. And so there was this uh, application that I had to fill out called uh, from the Bureau of Private Post-Secondary Education, whoever the fuck they are. But it was a $500 application to say I wasn't a non-exempt entity. And so I didn't know about that. And my boss reported me to this bureau and we got a hundred thousand dollar fine because they said we we're acting in the capacity of a school. And, you know, we're not a school we're an internship. I make that very clear. We don't give grades. We teach you how to be a trainer and then you get experience and you go out there. When I got that citation and I still have it framed today, I have it uh, framed. It's one of my, my big things that I, I pride myself in that hundred thousand dollar fine. And, you know, I could have either just just crawled up in a hole. Why, gods, this isn't fair. Life sucks and just been a victim. I remember what I did is, and my dad taught me this when I was younger, is you turn your emotional pain into physical pain. So I'm always big into working out and, and reading. And so I've never read more books in my whole entire life. And that's six months when we were going through this litigation and all this stuff. 
and and I've never worked out harder. But I remember I went to my gym and I was like, okay, what can, what can I do today? What can I do right now? And I looked around like, I'm surrounded by a bunch of trainers who are still learning how to become better trainers. I need to focus on them. I need to focus on helping these people who are in front of me because that's what I have absolute control over. Sure, I was given a shitty deck with this, but that's my fault. I fucked up. I got to take ownership and I got to figure it out. And trainers today, what we like to do is like you're saying, it's like we point fingers all over the place. Like, oh, too many followers. I'm not a social media person. Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm not ripped or whatever. It's like, take accountability, show up, get into the nitty gritty. And why are you doing this? Rarely, if ever, have I come across someone who got into training if it wasn't to help other people. So how can you help people today? And that could just be as something as simple as you're at Starbucks and you buy the person behind a coffee. You smile at someone, you ask what their current routine is and offer to you know, help them out with it. It's just crazy today how people are so selfish and they get stuck in their mind. But you got to remember that everyone had there, there's you know, everyone out there has it worse than you. There's someone out there who has it worse than you. I'm going to tell a quick story about smiling at people. It's one of my favorite stories about stuff that is underappreciated. Been a trainer 10 and a half years. Within the first six months of being one at a commercial gym, I just was in the habit of smiling at people. And a young man walked up to me and he said that he had nine sessions left over. His trainer schedule was so limited that he wasn't able to fit him in. He was hoping he could use the remaining sessions. He had just given his 30 days notice to cancel his membership. So anyway, I started training him. I had to stay like nine to 10 an hour later. I was busy at full schedule, but I did. And these were like sessions that were sold by the front end. So, you know, the hourly pay was less, but I did it anyway and put in a lot of effort with him. So I got a message from him halfway through those sessions. He said, I've rescinded my membership cancellation. Give me a price on 24 sessions and I'll uh, renew more later. Okay. So he renewed. He then renewed 72 sessions after that. Worked with me three times a week for a while. He's a good friend. He sent me a referral. Um, and I can say names because uh, a, a guy named Morali. These guys are young East Indian guys who are unbelievable clients for referrals. Like culturally, they're phenomenal for it. Little trickier to sell cold, but amazing when they see value and quality. So then they together sent me another referral named Vendon. And Vendon was a police applicant. He was trying to get into our Edmonton City Police. And along the way, Vendon sent me his friend, Nathan, who'd gotten hurt during some of the, the police uh, runs and the volunteer stuff that we're doing. So he came to me to you know get fixed up again and get back in the system. And Nathan... Loved it so much that he started bringing, he started coming to a group class that I did. And he wanted me to organize group classes for some of the other applicants where I met a whole bunch more. The city police found out about this, liked it so much. They already had an old relationship with the owner of Evolve where I contract my good friend, John Chung. So we set up a formal system where they were sending applicants who needed training to come and train with me at, uh, at Evolve, which led to God, dozens upon dozens of them over the last few years. And one of them, uh, trained with me back then. She's recently circled back, but she just sent me a referral of three moms who happen just by coincidence to live in my neighborhood. They're training with me as a group to this day. So I have a very live and active referral chain that spans thousands of training sessions because I smiled at somebody on the gym floor. And that young man who started, he said, the reason why he chose me is because I was the only trainer who smiled at him when I, when I walked around. Funny how that works, right? Mm. <laughs> just smile more and life will be a better place. <laughs> These kind of habits that I've worked with trainers who, if they don't think 
that the person in front of them doesn't benefit them directly in some way, they've got no time for people. I've worked with trainers like that and I see how they operate. If it's not a client in front of them during like paid time or someone who they can get something from, then they've got no personality whatsoever. And those people might skate by on some other abilities, but you know, the, usually they're the ones also trying to get out of the industry to look for something else. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anybody who's listening to this is looking to get out as much as they're looking to thrive within it. So I really hope a lot of the stuff we talked about in this episode has been really valuable. So where can people find more of your work and get your book? Yeah, yes, yeah. so you can go to Amazon, uh, How to Become a Successful Personal Trainer. Just, just uh, toppled uh, 110 reviews on that sucker. So excited about that and people who we interviewed. It's you know my experience in the 16 years in the industry and owning gyms. And then, you know, top names in the industry with a lot of references to, to check out as well. Show Up Fitness Internship and also Show Up Fitness, those are both of ours. One's more for like one-on-one training, but then one's the internship. So we're in San Diego, we're in Los Angeles, Santa Monica. And then now we're going to be in Austin, October 4th. And we have weekend seminars. So we just started doing this this year. It's like, you got to think of more streams of revenue and way to reach more people. So these have been really successful for people that are getting into the industry, but also those trying to fine tune their skills. And just the professional aspect and, you know, programming for the clients. So we're going to be in Miami, uh, October, sorry, September 18th. And then we're going to be in New York City, October 9th. And so we're going to go to these spots and then prospect the area as we plan on opening up more gyms, because that's really, you know, we want to be ubiquitous just like other places. And so we got to get more internships out there so we can get in front of more people and, and have awesome people like you be you know, part of the group and, you know, just thank you so much for what you do. And you guys listening right now, you don't realize how lucky you have, have it listening and being in front of someone who's purely genuine and knowledgeable, but he looks the part and talks the part. That's important today. And so, you know, I really appreciate you, Andrew, you're a great dude. And, and thank you for everything that you're doing. Hey, I appreciate it, man. And again, it's also, you know, if, if people are curious, I don't remember how we first connected, but I'm virtually certain you just readily added me to Facebook years ago. So you've been on in my media and in, in my top of mind awareness for a long time. And then we've been interactive on Instagram and you've reached out to me and, you know, supported my work and, and all kinds of cool stuff. So that's foster a relationship to where it's like, I saw something you posted, I'm like, shit, man, I've been intending to get you on this podcast for a while. But I'm like, we got to come on and talk about this. This will be cool. So conversely, what I hope people will do is they'll go follow you. So the two Instagram accounts are show up fitness internship and just show up fitness. Correct. So check out Chris on those. And, you know, there's a lot of educational stuff there to make trainers more successful and goes way beyond the bounds of just what a certification is going to do to, to give you a piece of paper that gives you the right to trade people. That's not enough to be successful in our industry. You have to want, you have to really want to work hard to you know, obviously learn the technical skills, but also learn the, 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 the people skills, the marketing skills, the, the sales skills, the habit skills. That's the stuff that's gonna set you apart and continue to go forward to try to break away from what feels like a saturated general industry and to set yourself apart with a reputation and a brand that stands out locally and on a broader scale, which means that you're never worried about you know, where the next client come from, comes from or worried about your income. So guys like Chris out there are giving you guys resources to do that. So Chris, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And if by chance you're someone who found me for the first time through Chris's media, I appreciate that you listen to this. 
Um, if you go and scroll through my other recent guests, you'll see a whole bunch of cool people like a Jordan Syatt or some of the other names, Tony Janelcore, that we've talked about. And maybe you'll stick around and check out more. So thank you so much for tuning in. Anybody who hasn't yet, you know, consider subscribing, share it on your social media, tag me up on Instagram. I love that. And uh, Chris, thanks, brother. I hope you have a great rest of your day. All right, sir. Have a great one. We'll see you.